This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Heavenly Father, as we come together as your family, we want to thank you for what you've already done. You've been so faithful to us. Lord, we know that without you, we can do nothing. But we know, Lord God, with you, we can accomplish much. So we invite you to have your way here this evening. Thank you that you anoint this time. This is your church. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and speak through me that I may bring life to the hearer this evening. My prayer is that every ear is open to hear, every heart is ready to receive, and every life will change as a result of your word. And we praise you in advance for this. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Well, you may be seated, family. I want to encourage you, if you don't have the church app, download the church app. If you go in there at the bottom, you'll see notes. It's a great place just to follow through. Specifically, if you want to recap on it a bit later, and then all of us that are involved in groups, who's in groups? Yeah. Great time just to go through the notes and discuss it each week with our friends and family in groups. Well, this evening, I'm going to be teaching a message or speaking about, with God's help, you will win. Isn't that awesome? With God's help, you will win. Now, this morning, I spoke on make your life count. Now, this is not a part two, but it could be a part two because you want to make your life count, amen? And with God, you're going to win. The opening scripture I want to read to you is found in Psalm 18.32. What an awesome verse. And it says this. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Isn't that awesome? God is the one who arms us with strength and he's the one who makes our way perfect. You know, the word of God says that when we are weak, he is strong. He's our strength, family, and with him, we will have success. How many of you have heard of the singer Dolly Parton? Have you heard of her? Well, she wrote an autobiography, and in this autobiography, it says that singer Dolly Parton says the following. She says, my high school was very small. During graduation, each of us got a chance to stand up and announce our plans for the future. So you can imagine that must be quite a small school for everybody to be able to do that. But it was in a small school and people got the opportunity to do that. She goes on and writes the following. One person said, I'm going to junior college, the one boy said. Another said, I'm getting married and moving to Maryville. A girl would follow. When my turn came, she said, she said, I'm going to Nashville to become a star. The entire place erupted in laughter. I was stunned somehow, though that the laughter instilled in me an even greater determination to realize my dream. I might have crumbled under the weight and the hardship that were to come. Had it not been for the response of the crowd that day, sometimes it's funny the way we find inspiration. You see, family, not everybody's going to agree with your dream. Not everybody's going to support your dream. Some people might laugh at what you say you're going to do. You can imagine a young girl at that time saying she's going to become a star in Nashville. People thought, oh, well, you're just a big dream, right? But she had a dream. Now, you know this. Not everybody agrees with what you want to do. But you definitely want to have God on your side, amen? And if God's on your side and God gives you the yes, you will have the victory. You see, family, every hero in Scripture, without exception, overcame obstacles and opposition. All of them. You can look at every man and woman of God through the pages of the Bible. They all faced obstacles and opposition. Every single one of them. You can just name them and think of them. But David writes this in Psalm 18, 
from verse 18, he writes this. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. For by you, I can run against the troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on a high place. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rise up against me. That's the God who we serve, amen? And if he did it for David, he'll do it for you, no matter what you're facing, amen? You see, church, I want to encourage you as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to always remember where you are seated. Where you are seated. You are not defeated. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 6, it tells us that we are seated in Christ in heavenly places, right? But listen to this translation, the message translation. Listen to the same verse. It says this, he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's where you're seated. You see, as a believer, whenever you pray, you should be praying from a point of victory, not from defeat. You should be praying expecting for God to answer. Too many people pray and they hope. They don't pray and expect. You must pray and expect. That's where you are seated. The Bible tells us that's who we are. We are victorious because Jesus has already made the way for you. And with God, you will win if you will just stay focused with Him. You see, church, in order for us to walk in victory, we need to definitely do these three things. I'm going to give you three things. If you want to walk in victory, yes, three things you must do. Are you ready? The first one is this. Expand your concept of God. Expand your concept of God. You might say, how do I do that? You do that, family, by reading His Word and getting to know Him better. If you will spend time in the Word of God, you will get to know what a mighty God you have on your side. You've got to read the Word to know that. You've got to spend time with Him. In Ephesians 1.17, it says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Why? So that you may know Him better. When you know who's on your side, you can do mighty things. Amen. There's nothing that you have to fear, family, when you know who's on your side. There was a little boy in a Sunday school, and this little boy was drawing a picture. So the story goes on to say that the Sunday school teacher asked him, what are you drawing? The young boy answered, and he replied and said, God. The teacher said, but nobody knows what God is like. Confidently, the young boy replied, they will when I'm finished. In other words, this boy knew what his God looked like. He was going to show them a picture of a mighty, victorious God. Amen. He wasn't going to draw a little dot on a page. Because in his mind, he served a great God. So I want to ask you tonight, what does God look like for you? Who is God in your eyes? What does he look like? Is God loving in your eyes or judgmental? Is God distant or is he available? Is God limited or is God powerful? You see, family, you need to know this. Your concept of God will determine your confidence in Him. So I want to encourage you to get to know Him. Get to know who the God is that you serve. 
Because the God that you serve is mighty. The God that you serve is all-powerful. He's all-loving. He's compassionate. And if you know him as a mighty God, what is it that you can't do when he's on your side? You see, David knew him that way. David was the one who said, it's the Lord God who's going to deliver you into my hand when he faced Goliath. He knew that. The giant wasn't scary to him. He wasn't concerned about the size because he knew the size of his God. And I'm saying, what is the size of your God? What is the image you have of God in your life? Is he small or distant? Is he someone you don't know? Let me tell you, if you get to know him, you're going to know this all-consuming, powerful God. He's on your side, and he wants to see you succeed. Amen? I love 1 Peter 5, 6 from the New King James. It says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, for me to humble myself, for you to humble yourself, is just simply submitting to him and his way. And when you do that, the Bible says it's a mighty hand, not a weak hand. We have a mighty God who's going to help you in every situation. So we must, number one, expand our concept of God. You do that by spending time in his word, by walking among other believers who know their God. That's how you expand your concept of God. The second thing you want to do, this is very important, recognize Satan's limitations. Recognize Satan's limitations. I love this here. It says here in my notes, the devil is the world's oldest loser. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, if there were a race of losers, the devil would lose that one. <laughs> he's the world's oldest loser. You see, he's a former employee of heaven who got fired because of arrogance and who, who is headed for destruction. That's his path. That's his way, amen? And the only power he has over you is the power you give him by remaining ignorant of his devices. When we remain ignorant of his devices, he has power over us. You see, the Bible says that the devil walks around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. Too many people think he's a roaring lion, but he's not. He's trying to imitate one to scare off people, but he's not one. He's defeated, family. He's defeated. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11, it says this. Now, this is important. Listen carefully to me. Paul is writing here, and in the scriptures, he says this. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have, sorry, yes, for what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sake in the presence of Christ. Why did he do that? So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. What is that saying here? One of the devil's biggest traps is to get people into unforgiveness. It's his biggest traps. Paul's saying, if you forgive them, I forgive them. If I forgive them, you forgive them. Don't allow the devil to have a trap. The Bible calls it a scandalon, a trap. That is an example of a, a, a trap that they use to catch animals. You know those traps and the animal steps in it and they get caught? That's the original translation of the word, the scandalon. It traps you in. And when we think we have a right to hold unforgiveness, the devil then hooks his claws in. Listen to me. There is nothing that anybody's done to you for you to hold the unforgiveness towards. Let me tell you, friend, this is one of the biggest traps. That's why Paul said to them, if you forgive them, I forgive them. If I forgive them, you forgive them. Don't be ignorant because many people walk around with unforgiveness because of past hurts. They won't let go and the devil then holds them. Why? Because we become ignorant 
of the devil's devices. Don't be ignorant. Paul is telling us here. You see, James 4 verse 7, we love this verse. And as believers, we know it well. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We love that verse, don't we? It's a great verse. However, you've got to do the first part for the second part to work. You see, family, if you want the devil, if you want to resist the devil for him to flee from you, You've got to submit yourself to God. What does that mean? Submitting to God means I do His Word. I do His Word. There are too many believers who want to debate the Word and not do it. It's a problem for me. It really is. You see, we all know Joshua's story in Joshua 1.8. It says if you meditate on the Word of God day and night, and it says if you are careful to do all that is written in it. Then you will have you make your way successful and prosperous. What? When you do the word. There are so many people who want to argue. Oh, well, that's Old Testament. That's New Testament. That's this. That's that. Just do the word. If you do the word, you're submitting to God, then you can submit the devil and he will flee. James says it this way. He says, you must be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Because if you're not a doer of the word, you are ignorant. You must apply the word. Don't debate it. It's one of the things I really struggle with as a pastor. Is how many people want to argue, should I do this? Shouldn't I do that? Don't play with the things of the devil. Listen to me. God's word is final authority. Okay? The Bible says one day, when we stand before the Lord, he's going to judge us according to this. According to this. So let's make our choices now, family, to live a life that pleases in the Lord. Choose to do things the right way. You know, many of us want God to deliver us and set us free, but we're not willing to pay the price for that. You know, if you want to have a blessed relationship, if you want to have a blessed marriage, listen to me. Don't live in adultery now. That's not the foundation to lay. Don't argue with it and say, oh, well, that's just old-fashioned, you know. That's from 100 years ago. We love each other. Listen, God's word is his word. Just do the word of God. Don't argue it. If God says, come to church, Come to church. It says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. There's a reason for that. Come and sit in his presence together. Let's not think, oh, well, I'll watch it on TV. I'll catch it up later. You know, if you, Pastor Allen, this is Pastor Allen's statement, but I love it. There's a big difference by getting into the shower or by listening to the shower. When you get in, you can get wet, right? And you can get clean. But if you listen to it, it's not the same. You need to get into the presence of God. And there's a reason God wants his family to come together. So let's not debate it. When you and I start living according to this word and just choose to do it, you're going to find you're going to have such amazing victories in your life. You know what? I've been serving the Lord here at Christian Family Church. I think it's about 27 or 28 years now. I've been here at the church. And I'm telling you this because it's worked in my life. I'm not here to, 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 to try and convince everybody, but I want you to know this. When I came to this church, I came with a very small idea of Christianity. My idea of the Word of God in Christianity was really super basic. But when I sat in the teachings here, very soon, I was here for less than 90 days in the church. And the Lord said to me, you need to be a tither. And I didn't even know what that meant. I just heard it. I hadn't done membership course. I hadn't gone through the teachings. But I quickly figured out what it is. And we started tithing when I was a three-month-old baby in the Lord. 90 days. I'm not saying this. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you something that's worked here. Since then, we have never missed one single month. Never missed one month. 
Have we been through difficult times? Yes. But I've never been forsaken. I've always had a roof over my head. I've always had clothes to wear. I've always had food in my home. My children can never say they've gone to bed hungry. Never. Never. God has met every need. Coincident? I think not. Listen to me. Tithing is not a practice of the law. Listen to me, family. Don't debate it. Don't argue. This thing will help you. It's a covenant practice that started way before the law. It was included in the law and continues after the law. Just for you to know, it is in the New Testament. Just in case people argue it's an Old Testament practice. I'm telling you this because it works. And when we start doing the word, if you just do it, God can't help but move on your behalf. It's not rocket science. So I want to encourage you. Recognize Satan's limitations. If he can convince you not to do it, he's going to have victory over your life. Because the only thing the devil wants to steal from you, truly, truly, is the word of God. Because if he can steal a word, he can steal your faith. If he's got your faith, you can't have victory. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He gave us the devil's CV. You know his CV? You know what your job application? It's simple. It's this. The Bible says this in the King James Version. The devil does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. There's nothing else. He's not coming to bless you. He's not coming to help you. If he can convince you to not do this, catch the hint. He's coming to steal from you. He's coming to destroy. So I want to encourage you, please, make an effort. Be among believers. Get involved in the Word of God. Get to know your God so you can walk in victory. It's really, truly worked in our lives, and I want to encourage you to do that. So be careful of the devil's devices. You see, family, God has defeated him. In, Col in Colossians 2.15, we read the following. It says this in the New King James. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Listen to this in the Living Translation. Same verse. I love it. It says, in this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin. And God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus did. He defeated the devil. The devil has been defeated. And that's why it's so important to know his limitations because too many believers are ignorant of it. And that's why they're not having the victory and the breakthrough that they need, family. So let's be aware of it. You have power over Satan. Use it. Jesus said this in Matthew 18. He said this. He says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He said that. Why would he say that if you didn't need it? There's nothing the Lord's given you for, for no purpose. So there's a reason he's told, okay, given us that. The Bible tells us that all authority is given to him for the church, right? The church is not a building, it's people. The word church in the, New, uh, in the, in the New, um, New Testament is the word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. It's you and I. And so he's given that authority to you and I. Use your power. Take authority over him. Don't let him run rampant in your life. And the more you submit it to the word of God, the greater victories you will have. So point number two is recognize Satan's limitations. Point number three is this. See yourself as God sees you. See yourself as God sees you. How do you see yourself? How, what is your image of yourself? Is it defeated or victorious? You see, you may have gone through challenges in your life. I understand that. Life, it happens to people. But you can't see yourself through your own eyes. You need to see yourself through God's eyes. And really, your Bible is just really a set of glasses. <laughs> if you will just look through this word, you'll see how God sees you. 
You see, family, God sees you not just as you are, but as you will be. If you've been conditioned by past experiences to see yourself as worthless, I'm saying to you today, start now. You can change your self-image by believing what God says about you. You see, family, when you have His opinion, what else matters? What else matters when you have God's opinion? And I'm saying when God looks at you, He looks at you through the cross. He looks at you through the price that's already paid. Now, how many of you would go to a shop and you would take a can of Coca-Cola and go to the cashier and pay 10,000 rand for that Coke? Anybody? Is there anybody that would do something like that? You would never do that. Why would you never do that? Because a can of Coke's not worth 10,000 rand. It's maybe worth 10 bucks or 15 bucks. I don't know what they pay for a can of Coke. But it's maybe what it's priced. So you pay for something the value you believe it's worth. Isn't that right? Whether it's a house or car, whatever the case is, if you see something, the minute you're willing to pay something for it, you're saying to yourself, I believe that's the value of that thing, right? See, your house, your house is not worth the market industry. Your house is worth what somebody will pay for it. And so when Jesus... When God sent Jesus to the earth for you, God sent the best heaven had. The best heaven had. Why? Because you're worth it. Because that's what God thinks you're worth. Listen to me, family. This is serious. <laughs> Too many people have a bad image of themselves. Why would God send his best if you're not worth it? You're worth it. That's why he did it. You're worth everything heaven has. That's why God did it. And if there was one of you on the planet, he would have done it for you. That's the price God was willing to pay. You need to see yourself that way. You need to look through God's eyes. Remember that. Whenever you look at your life, don't look at the challenges you've been through. Look at the price that God was willing to pay for you. That's what you're worth to him. That's the price that you're worth. You've got to see yourself that way. You see, family, in Psalm 118 verse 6, it says this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You have God on your side. You have the one who believes you're worth the most. I love this in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 from the Amplified. Listen to this. This is what God says about you. Are you ready? He says this. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased, special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you're ever unsure of what you are to God, read this. You are chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. I never wrote that. God wrote that because that's how he sees you. You need to see yourself that way. The more you spend time in scriptures like that and read that over your life, the more you'll see yourself the way God sees you. The easier it is to walk in victory because nobody can walk in victory if they feel defeated, right? You, you, that's why if you see t uh, sport teams, maybe not ours, but if you see sport teams, <laughs> they get together and they have that huddle and they rah-rah each other. They walk out like they can believe they can win, right? You need to have that image of yourself. You need to walk out in life have a huddle with Jesus every morning. Amen. Do the half five and walk out and walk in victory. Because God is with you. Amen. What can man do to you? 
I want to read this in Isaiah 43. What an awesome verse. Isaiah 43 verse 1. I love this. Make this your verse. It says this. But now, O Israel, the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep water and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isn't that awesome? Family, no matter what you're facing, listen to me. God is on your side. See yourselves victorious. Spend time in the Word of God. I can't emphasize that enough. Do what you can to build your faith up. I'm not marketing our Bible college, but I am saying to you, if you haven't been on Bible college, get on Bible college. Fill yourself with the Word of God. Get involved in the things of God. Be part of a Christian family. Get involved in the groups so that you can walk with people who can help you and encourage you. I came to this church through a group. I'm still in groups today. 27, 28 years later, I believe in it. They're people that encourage us and help us to walk victoriously. They're people that pray with you. It's important for your walk with God. So I want to encourage you today. Number one, expand your concept of God. Number two, recognize Satan's limitations, and he has them. He's limited. He can't harm you. Number three, see yourself as God sees you. And you do that, family, by spending time in the Word of God, knowing who you are as a believer. Amen? So with God, you will win. I have no doubt. I wanted to encourage you with this word this evening. I trust it's been an encouragement to you. Praise the Lord. We'll give God praise. Now, before I pray tonight, I want to uh, say to you, if you are struggling in any area in your life and you truly need to find freedom, friend, I want to invite you to join our freedom groups that are starting in July. It's an awesome place to find freedom. You'll go through about seven to nine weeks in the group, and then that culminates in an awesome freedom conference where we pray for people, and they, are, and, they, and they go and walk through freedom. Get into it. If you are struggling in any area of your life, you want to go through this so you can walk in freedom. I'm encouraging you to do that. It's going to be a great blessing to you. So look out for it. You can go online. You can check it out on our website, and it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.